Alrighty, let's roll that intro and we will get started, ladies and gentlemen, in three, two, one, and action. What's going on, Print Fam? It's your... Are we in? No. No. There we are. You're filming Batman. What is that? That's his crotch, bro. What's going on, Print (laughs) Fam? Are we in? There we are. What's happening, Print Fam? It's your boy, Cam, and welcome to the Print Life live video podcast. We have a very special guest with us today. I got the man, the myth, the legend. It's me, Marshall. Mr. Marshall Atkinson. (laughs) I want to thank you, dude, so much for being here. Pleasure to be here. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, well, I pretend to be. You pretend to be. <laughs> so do I. It's all good. Um, you guys, he is here to try to help us figure out how to become more efficient in the screen printing industry. But before we do that, you know i got to run through all of my introduction shit. So let's do that. Let's get that out of the way. Um, we're going to skip over the, the uh, independent shop news from Facebook because we got the man here. Might as well just dive into all that. Um, and then after that, as usual, we, we will conduct the live Q&A. Now, you know that I favor the, the, um, the hotline, so please call the 800 number. It's right down here on the screen, somewhere around here. Call it in, leave your message, so that, and then direct it at Marshall so that he can answer that question. I'm really hoping that you guys got some good questions for him. You like doing that so you don't have to read anything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's cooler too, right? Right. I loved it, bro. Um <laughs> And that's pretty much it, guys. I'm going to save the social media reminders for a little bit later. So I'm just going to get right into this thing, dude. So um, you, I, I mean, I'm familiar with what your background is. But I feel like some of the people watching, they don't know. You know, right. so who is this guy? Yeah, who's this dude, man, hanging right. out? Who, who's this guy, weird guy hanging out with the cool guy? Right. Don't know. But we need to share a little bit about you with them. So if you don't mind, man. Sure. Just right. share your you story. The cliff Notes? Yeah, well, really – and it's the background. How did right. you get into this industry? Yeah, okay. So uh, a long time ago, I wanted to go to architecture school and didn't want to pay for my graduate school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a degree in art, right? And um, so I started a T-shirt company to pay for grad school. Okay. And this was a long time ago, back before computers when everything was done with chisels and rocks and uh, stuff. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, and, and, back uh, in the, back in the, in the long, 60s. Long time in ago. The 50, yeah. So I would do art on a whiteboard, blue line with the letter set, rub down letters, and just it took forever to do. Yeah. Right? yeah. And so anyway. It's um, that old shit. So uh, I had this company um, print my shirts for me, right? And then this thing came out that revolutionized how everything was done, the personal computer, more specifically Photoshop and all that stuff, right? So uh, I taught myself how to use the programs over a Christmas break. Wait, wait. And, and so you were around when like this stuff launched? Yeah, so this was in early 90s. That's crazy. And, and uh, so I started working for this company in January of 1993, which is – T-Formation in Tallahassee, Florida, which is where I'm from. Okay. And um, so I became their art director, and I was their art director for 14 years. And uh, that company, when I joined it, was just 
everybody that worked there, they had one auto. Everybody was in a band with hair down on their butt and tattoos all over them, just like you. It was and a cool job. It was a cool job. Yeah. And uh, there wasn't a girl that worked there, and it was just a bunch of dudes. <laughs> Foul language. And, yeah, and-, and so it was really fun. And that company grew to be like the number three screen printer in the country. We were Nike's uh, contract printer. Wow. We did stuff for Coca-Cola and Chick-fil-A and Geico and all kinds of all kinds of big, huge accounts. Now, at that time, were you a, were you a printer or were you in the art department? No, I was in the art department. Okay. And then, uh, but I was always the guy that was going, hey, there's a better way. There's a thing. Let's do it this way, that kind of stuff. And then they promoted me to their vice president of operations. So I ran the whole back shop. And that's how I got into doing sustainability and Lean Six Sigma and process improvement and continuous improvement and that type of stuff. And so my background has always been about getting things to work better. And so I worked there uh, just uh, a month shy of 18 years. And I left there uh, in 2010. And I uh, started my consulting company in just beginning of 2011 and started going around the country teaching people stuff. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and that was uh, mainly like other shops. Other would... shops. And then uh, it was all about efficiency and workflow and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to a company in Wisconsin called Visual Impressions. Mm-hmm. I was up there for two weeks and taught them a bunch of stuff mm-hmm. and gave them, I don't know, a 25, 30-page report on how to improve. And then they offered me their job as their chief operating officer running the whole company. Again? And I did that for five years. Yeah. And I left there in 2016. And um, then I moved uh, to here to Phoenix to work for Inksoft to build their product, help them build their production manager tool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in January of this uh, year, I left them, and now I'm back to coaching full-time, and Inksoft is an enterprise-level client now, so I still do their podcast. I still write blogs for them. Mm-hmm. I'm still helping with that tool, but mm-hmm. it's from a client perspective, not as an employee. Right. And so right, my job right now is just working with shops. I've got a whole bunch of shops I do stuff with. I uh, About once or twice a month, I'm flying somewhere to go to a shop and help them square stuff away. It's awesome. Uh, I've written a couple of ebooks, which I'm sure we'll get into later. Yeah, well, I want to talk about I've got it. another one I'm writing, and then I've got a big um, announcement, if we get to that, about uh, uh, education of training event that mm. I'm going to start doing with a partner of mine yeah. that's going to start in October. Yeah, so we'll, i got, we'll I got a that. lot of things going on. Good. So. But, I mean, it, it sounds to me like from your history, you what you are is an e- efficiency guy. There, you can you can spot inefficiencies probably oh, in yeah. a way that a lot of others just they can't or they're right. not. Well, I've, I've been in a lot of shops, yeah. uh, big, small, whatever, uh, and usually people, um, it's it all start the production efficiency all starts with how order is put in the system mm-hmm. before it even gets to production, mm-hmm. and that's usually where I start. I, right. I usually when I go to a shop, I do what's called a process walk, which means I'm. Pretend I'm an order. How does it get put in? I want to see your language. I want to see your notes. I want to see how you give instructions to the art department or purchasing or whatever. Yeah. And then uh, there's a lot of discovery. And then there's 8 million questions we ask. And Mm -hmm. then it's all about... Okay, well, here are some ideas. Let's see what will fit, what will work. And then um, yeah. sometimes it's people, sometimes it's a process, sometimes it's the equipment. Mm. You know, they're making do with really old stuff or outdated stuff or whatever. 
Well, um, that's a good, actually a good segue into something that you and I, the first time I talked with you, you've right. been a lot of firsts with this man for me. He did right. m- my first podcast interview. Right. Uh, he did my I first. I interviewed you, though. Yeah, you interviewed me. Right. He did my first magazine article. Yeah. This guy did that. So right. I figured it was right. only fitting that he was my first studio visit. Right. So I appreciate that. But That's great. When we were talking during that time, you, you had a lot of insight. Remember, I was thinking about automating. And, right. I, and I picked his brain, and I said, dude, w- and, he was, and he, I mean, I'm not, I can't remember the words exactly, but he had these theories on when it was time, and he had very practical theories that I want to talk with you about. Okay, great. So uh, Hopefully I can remember what they were. <laughs> well, hopefully it's not a completely different set of info, brother. Could be. Now, right. you know, these, these, uh, a lot of the people that watch this, some of them are very experienced, some of them have very little experience, mm-hmm. but... On average, most of their shops, I would say, are probably something similar to what I have here. Right, smaller sure. shop. Right. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And when you're looking at a shop like this uh, from your perspective, what are some common inefficiencies that you see with shops of this size? Uh, there isn't any planning. Or we're not thinking ahead. Like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I don't want to call you out. but Call what's, anyone out. What's, well, okay. We're saying generals. Think, think about what's going on with your shop. Mm-hmm. Are you looking further than the next two weeks mm-hmm. out for sales, for production, for what's going on? In most shops, they only, they have, they, they've got horse blinders on. They're only thinking about uh, what's – what, you know, today is Wednesday. Mm-hmm. They're thinking about what's due Thursday and Friday, but they aren't thinking about Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. Right. They're not thinking about August. They're not thinking about what's going on. And the, typically what happens is we wait until, oh, shit, we're out of work. Yeah. And that's when the sales crunch happens, and mm-hmm. we got to start – it's a flurry emails going out. Hey, let's do a sale. I know. We'll bring some stuff in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then that never works. Right. It's because it isn't planned. It's just you pulled it out of your butt. Mm-hmm. Right? So one of the things that I think a lot of shops need to do is they need to take a breath, right, and just analyze their situation and start with some basics. Write a business plan, right? So a business plan. That's the first thing he told me. Right, is write a business plan. And the reason you want to write a business plan is uh, think about, uh, I don't know where you, everybody is in your audience, but if you've ever fired a rifle or a gun or shot darts in a bar or used a bow and arrow or a paper airplane, Mm -hmm. right? If you want to hit your target, you have to aim at it. Okay. You can't just wave stuff around gangster style. Mm -hmm. Okay. You might occasionally hit something. Yes. Yeah. Because that's what happens. Right. right? Right. Maybe not what you want. Right. Okay. And that's what happens also, which is why a lot of shops get the wrong customers. Right. And so we spend a lot of time being busy, being busy, not busy being profitable. Well, this let me. I'm going to interject there because that brings up an interesting topic in in regards to niches. So you're talking about marketing and thinking of the future, right? As as Marshall Atkinson, how would you or what advice would you give to a small shop in defining what an actual niche is? I think sometimes people are confused about what a niche is. Well, it's okay. So uh, it's your sliver of the pie, mm-hmm. right? So think about uh, do you have? To, everybody wants to be the best. Right. Yeah. But who are you marketing to? Right. Yeah. Who is your sliver of the pie? Are you marketing to schools or to rock bands, to streetwear, to uh, athletic stuff? Yeah. Or, or do you do businesses, bars, restaurants, B2B stuff? Do you have your own apparel line you're printing for? Mm-hmm. OK. Those are all different problems. Right. 
Those are all different customers. They all have different wants and needs and pain points. But you know what a lot of shops do is they market to all of that the same way. Right. Right? So talking to that rock band the same way you talk to that high school, you're not going to get the results you want. Mm-hmm. Using the same imagery, the same sale, the same everything. So it's like one of these things where when I look at shops and how they do stuff, a lot of their inefficiencies come from they're trying to cram that square peg into the round hole, right. and they're not really aligning with what their customers' needs are. They don't, they've never stopped to ask them. They don't know what is a, the good shirt blank or the design or right. the print location or what do they really need and that kind of stuff. And they spend a lot of time spinning the wheels. That brings up another interesting thing about when you, when you focus on a specific niche, let's say it's the sports apparel industry or whatever. Right. You are able to systemize your shop to handle that type of product. Whereas if you're dealing with a little bit of streetwear, a little bit of sports apparel, right. it's harder to create a system right that works efficiently within that particular niche now you can expand yeah, niches sure. later it's it's no problem to do multiple things right okay but the challenge is, is that people are usually time limited right and i hear this all the time from people how come you don't market well i just don't have the time well you don't have time to go get sales right right so but there's plenty of ways to do that mm-hmm. you know you can outsource that you can hire marketing firms. You can hire a virtual assistant. Mm-hmm. You can hire people to do this for you. Mm-hmm. And so when I talk to shop owners, one of the first things we usually talk about after we've had that business plan discussion is you need to be working um, not in your business, but on your business. Mm-hmm. So every single day that you're cleaning screens or you're printing, how are you developing the relationship with that $100,000 client down the road? You know, and so that's why nobody has time is yeah. because they're doing things. So mm-hmm. I'd rather sp- guys like you or mm-hmm. maybe your audience, I'd rather see them working on $15,000 an hour tasks yeah. than $15 an hour tasks. Yeah, I think the and majority of us... This mm-hmm. is this. I've tried getting out of that. It, this right. is where the majority of the small shops get bottlenecked, and this is where the struggle begins. Mm-hmm. And then for a lot of us, it's like, how the fuck do we pull ourselves out of this? Right. Well, use apps. Yeah. You use the what you ha- you use what you can. You know, you might not be perfect at it, but you have to budget time for it. Mm-hmm. So a real simple thing to do is I'm a big fan of Google. Yeah. I, I m- love Mother Google, yes, right? You so I have a Google Calendar, okay? And on that calendar is color-coded time slots of everything that I'm doing. Yeah. Okay? So here's an hour I'm writing this. Here's an hour and a half I'm making phone calls. I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. Yeah, I've noticed and, that he even sends you a, a, a an email to to uh, to uh, basically sign into his calendar so that you allot right. your time to him. Yeah, You're very never, good at time management. I, I never, ever And he was here the, early. Yeah, I, I never, ever do the uh, uh, the back and forth ping pong with what time can you come in. Well, Tuesday at 9 work. No, I got this thing, whatever. Yeah. I use an app called Calendly, mm-hmm. okay, which is a free app. I actually do the pay version because I'm at a different level. Mm-hmm. But they have a, a free – it's free, okay? And then you can have people – it's a link – Grab a time slot on my calendar that's open. Of course, you can block off time. Sure. And then there, so if you're a small shop and you only want to receive sales, uh, people coming into your shop, let's say you're doing sales, and I, I, I know small shops, 
that they do all their marketing and sales and stuff on Mondays and Fridays, right. and they print Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, which is the meat of the week. Right. And that way, they're not uh, they're not trying to talk and sell somebody while they're trying to print. Yeah, I've started doing something similar. Okay, so but they use the, if you use an app like this, that means that you can manage your time better, and you can so you're not double dipping and you're not going crazy with. Uh, trying to do too many things at once. What's the name of that calendar app? It's called Calendly. Calendly. I'll it's, link it in the description of this yeah. live video on So YouTube. it's like Calendar, except the AR is, is, is L-Y instead. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. actually really useful, and you could even I could even see utilizing that with, with clients that call up. You send them an email, tell them to put this, right. lock them in. Yeah. That way you can manage your time more efficiently. A lot of us small shops, that is the challenge, and that, that right. really holds us from going – to, from this stage to right. this stage. So, so what you want to be doing is working harder. I mean, it's harder. <laughs> You're working smarter, not harder. I can't talk today. Dude. And so the, the Calendly link watch allows you to – Watch one of my live feeds and watch me just stumble. The, the, the Calendly link allows you to do that because if you go to my webpage, yeah. right, you can, you, can, you can get a call with me, right? Yeah. You click the button and it takes you there and you pick – what works for you, and I'm in Arizona, as you know, because yeah, yeah. we live in the same city, yeah. but I get calls all the time from wherever, Texas and New England and Florida, and, yeah. and so it's different time zones, and it shows up in their time zone, so you don't even have to worry about that if you do more than just in your area. So I love that. So I think that that, I mean, if we're, if we're trying to stack up tips here, I would say tip number one for Marshall is to, to start managing your time. That, that's something that you see a lot of shops just don't do well. Yeah, and they don't know how long things take. That's right? a, so that's a tough how one. long does it take to coat a screen right. or to clean a screen or to set up a job or to make a quote or design some something or right. whatever, right? So if you're trying to figure out your time management, you should time yourself to know how long each of these steps take. So if you know that you've got to clean 15 screens, mm -hmm. okay, well, is that five minutes a screen or 10 right. or 15 or 20? How slow are you at right, it, right? right yeah. So how long do you need? Right. Okay, and then if you're thinking about that, if that's going to take an hour and a half, right, maybe it's better to bring a temp in, mm -hmm. okay, and then they can do that and they can clean the shop a little bit and do some menial work that you need in the shop, mm -hmm. and then you can make those important sales calls, and that's worth the 10 bucks an hour or whatever. Right. And, uh, yeah, you had to pay somebody to do it, but guess what? You're making more money doing something else. Right, but in your world, you you wouldn't just say, oh, go hire a temp. You you do numbers. You crunch numbers, and you put things in to make, sure, yep. to make sure <laughs> to make sure that your time would be best spent doing this. And that's right. really what you advocate is, is putting the numbers down and understanding well, what do you, where you're what losing What is your time it. worth? Right. So, so uh, and you don't have to say this on your show, but what is Cam's time worth per hour? Well, he's right? trying to get to a mill per right, hour. A mill per so hour. So we're working towards right. that number. Well, okay. So for, for shop owners out there or even managers that are listening, yeah. what is your time worth per hour, right? So if your time worth is higher than the value of the task that needs to be handled, see if you can delegate that off, That's either nice. by handing it off to a person or to an app like Calendly, mm -hmm. right? So every single time you have to do two emails back and forth to get a meeting with somebody when you can just, they can click the link and get something that's on your calendar that makes sense, then that's time well spent. Yeah. And so the other, like I use a lot of apps like that. So I use 
For instance, for my social media, I use an app called Buffer, B-U-F-F-E-R, and I have all of my social media stuff scheduled out. Uh, usually it's a week to 10 days, but like during December, it's the whole damn month because I want to be having fun with my family and not worrying about Twitter, right? Yeah. So I schedule everything out. I'll have four weeks of posts all scheduled out, right? Or I'm on, when I'm on vacation, I'm not worrying about it. But so what happens is these posts come out automatically and right. I'm not... And I can assign the time. It's one app controls all of my stuff. So it's like uh, spokes from a wheel. Right? It's like similar to Hootsuite, right? It's Same exactly like Hootsuite. Yeah. I don't like Hootsuite because I think it's ugly. I like <laughs> oh, Buffer aesthetically, Buffer because looks aesthetically better? It's, it, I like it better. Does it so, really? I'm uh, going to have to look at that. I'm a... But I'm you, a clean, you, I'm a white space guy. So, so you're a believer in chunking too, like where you, you'll create <laughs> enough content or you'll, yeah. you'll create content one day of the week and then you'll use Buffer to spread it over the course yeah, of the week. Yeah, so I usually you build, it up. I, when I'm drinking coffee on a Sunday morning mm-hmm. is when I load Buffer up. And do you and, see a lot of so, like like small shops like like maybe spending too much time on those areas of social media where they could have been chunking it Why well, I see a, a lot of people posting what are you doing during the day on Facebook, and why are you posting that? Right. I see a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. How come they're not working? Who's doing that? Um, yeah. uh, I don't know. It's not me. But, but <laughs> I, I, like to, I like to look in the groups to see what the problems are because yeah. I get a lot of blog article ideas on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Right? Makes sense. And so, um, you know, so it's like one of these things. I kind of monitor that a little bit, but mm. I'm not doing it all day. Right. Like I'll go in for a couple of minutes and – poke around and then it's a trick yeah that's it i right? use the, i'm starting to use the group now for tutorial topics that i want to film in the future it's, it's the, right it's smart yeah so you ask you a question figure out the question but i i um, i'm kind of a ninja i just kind of like okay he's bitching about that <laughs> and i'll just write it on my calendar yeah right and uh currently i have all of my blog articles on my media calendar all the way out to like I think it's like February of next year. Damn, dude, are, good are, for you. Already like written out of what the topics are, good but uh, but I'll switch it up if something comes up. Yeah, yeah. But, but I like flexible. to know that because I assign everything in these little chunks of time on my Google Calendar, mm. so I can plan it out. That's sick. Okay, yeah. and so it, but now how it, how how strict are you like with a, adhering to that calendar? Are you pretty uh, good? Pretty, with it? pretty good. And so I think stuff that, comes up all the time where somebody has an emergency or I got to take some. It's drag and drop and move it to another time slot. It's okay. Right. Well, the printing industry, it's funny because I've, I've heard a lot of stuff about calendaring and, and, and this and that. And maybe it's just an owner thing, but you're always – you're like, okay, this is my task today. This is what I'm working on. But because you don't have somebody else to handle the phone calls or the emails, you get pulled away. And right. now you're now now your right. mind is split between two, three, four different tasks, and you can't even do well, one well. Okay, so emails uh, I only answer emails three times a day. Same here. I do it uh, in the morning. Uh, okay, uh, just after lunch or just before lunch, and then right at the end of the day. That's it. So and, and so I'm not looking at emails all day. I don't uh, and because they're not they're never really super urgent. And if they are, they're going to call you. They always call. Okay. If it's a so, big deal, they right. call. So it's okay to wait a couple hours mm-hmm. to answer the email. And actually, most of the stuff in your inbox is crap anyway, mm-hmm. which you should be unsubscribing to, mm-hmm. right? Or but, filtering. Yeah, or filtering. So it's like one of these things where um, 
I just make it a rule not to look. Mm. And uh, because I'm trying to do other things, even when I was running shops, I did it the same way. Right. And um, so I like having a schedule and like efficiency for shops is the same way. Yeah. Like, so if you want to get into that, let's, let's talk that's about that. That's where we want. That's where we're trying to steer this thing. Okay. So to me, the best way to run your shop is to build a schedule today for what you're running tomorrow. Okay. Okay. And so uh, you have to have exactly what you're going to print. And I like it in order that you're given to each press crew. Mm -hmm. If you only got one press, it's pretty easy. But if you've got three or four, right, Mm -hmm. you want to give each group uh, what they're supposed to do, and you want it in order. And I'm very. Um, do you mean uh, in order, typically by delivery date? No, in order of how they're going to, in order that they're going to print it. Okay. So what I want to do is by lunch today, everything I'm doing tomorrow is scheduled, mm. and then by schedule, what that means is I go out and get the shirts, I get the screens, I get the inks, and what I do is I line it up in order that I want it to be printed in. Okay, and then when tomorrow morning comes. Mm. it's just execution and nobody's going uh what are we doing i don't uh, i need a job to print or hey i need this 286 blue ink and i need it mixed it's all done for you and do the top level shops that are running at the highest levels of efficiency in the screen printing world is that the kind of thing that they're doing the day before everybody does it this way and what they're doing is they're assembling stuff and my word for it is kit packing Mm -hmm. okay so what i want is everything assembled and lined up Okay, and uh, in order, and that way it's just executing it. Gotcha. Okay, and the and the rule there's some rules to this. Mm. For the the order that you want is rush because somebody paid for that, right? Or that's that critical job where you're dead if you don't print it mm. or whatever, mm. right? Mm. So I just call it rush. Okay, rush late, right? Because you can't get that job later. Right. They're just going to get mad. Right. So do you rush because they paid you? Then late because you're in trouble. Okay. Then it's today stuff, and then it's tomorrow stuff. Gotcha. You can't do tomorrow stuff before these other three things. And so what happens a lot of times mm. is somebody makes a call that they want to print this job because of some reason. Right. Even though it's not due till Tuesday. We're going to do it today. And what happens is... Oftentimes that call gets made because it's easier. It's they don't easier, want to deal with the R. Or it's yeah. got sleeves and you gotcha. don't want to change the boards out. or whatever. Yeah. But what happens is there's a domino effect that happens yeah. that causes the late job to get later. That critical job didn't go. You don't get to today's job. So that becomes a late job for tomorrow because you're printing something that was supposed to go next Tuesday today. Right, okay. Dude. So yeah. it's a huge issue. And yeah. so uh, it's a giant no. Okay. And do you see that happen in a lot of a lot of shops oh, yeah. too all the yeah. time? And so what happens is the other thing is you're late with stuff, mm-hmm. right? And you don't address the lateness. Mm-hmm. So what happens is you don't stay till ten o'clock at night or work on Saturday or whatever you got to do. Yeah. And those late jobs just keep getting later and later and later and later, and then you never get to any things. So what I recommend is you do the rush jobs first okay. and get a critical out of the way stuff. Yep. Right. So you're not waiting till four o'clock to start that job. Right. You're doing it the first thing you walk in. No matter how complex, no matter how many shirt does, board chains yeah. out, that's got to be you done. Do that first. And yeah. then you do the, the late jobs and get them done. Same principle, okay. no matter how complex. And then you do today's work. Yeah. And then if all that's done, then you can work on the future stuff. 
Okay. Love it. And it's it's really important that it happens that way because that keeps to your schedule. And a lot of people, a lot of shops don't know there's two um, things that you have to understand when running a shop and keeping to a production schedule. One is to know your capacity, right? Okay. The other is to know your velocity. So your capacity is how many things can we do today, right? Yeah. So typically, you know, you have uh, 1,000 impressions or 5,000 impressions or 10,000 impressions, whatever that is, well, how many presses that you do, yeah. right? So whatever that number is, what is it? How many jobs is that? Yeah. That's your average, okay? So when you're 140% above that, right, you can't keep dogpiling stuff on that mm-hmm. without making some changes, and a changing being uh, working late, so overtime, right. or contracting it out to another printer, or switching that job out for this job because it's – a better paying job or it's more important or it's the same client and they need this one first or whatever. Mm. That's how you keep to that schedule. Right. And the other thing that a lot of shops don't understand is their actual velocity with real numbers. So how long does it take you to set up a screen per minute? What is your average? Most shops that don't measure when we start measuring they think they're four or five minutes a screen, but in reality, when we do the math, yeah. they're around eight, nine, ten. Right. Okay. Because you do, you have to account for the walk between the one station, and you have to account for all of that into that uh, time. But if you pulled all that stuff together, and all your screens are sitting right here, your screen printer should never be in the screen room looking for screens. Right. Okay, ever. That's yeah. bad management. Yeah. You want the screens right there next to the guy. So all he's doing is setting up, printing, taking down, setting up. It's rinse and repeat all day long. He never goes and looks for anything. If yeah. that happens, okay, you're going to be way faster without even changing anything mm-hmm. than you were the day before. But let's, let's, let's kind of rewind that back to, to the um, – because everyone starts somewhere. So let's rewind it and, t- and talk right. about that, that one-man operation out of his garage that has right. his sights set on maybe just doing what I'm doing. Right. Or, or Sure. So what does he do? What does that, that man do to get – because he's a one-man show. Right. I mean, well, you can, can you always hire someone else? Is can, that always well, the you answer? Can, you can hire people, but if you're just a one-man show and you want to be a one-man show and you don't have the money or whatever to get help, okay, you need to plan and uh, organize yourself – so, uh, and I, I know manual shops where they do all of their screens and artwork and sales on Mondays and Fridays, mm-hmm. and they print on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, mm-hmm. okay? So they're doing their production on specific days, and they're doing the other tasks on specific days, mm-hmm. and that way they can handle their stuff, and they don't lose that um, working mojo, right. right? You can get when you're in the groove and working, right? right? You don't get interrupted, Right. And so they do it that way. So they have uh, office hours. Uh, They do uh, 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 customers aren't allowed to come in unless they're by appointment. Mm -hmm. Okay, when they're printing. Mm -hmm. Right. So it, it so it seems weird. Yeah. Okay. But this is a good strategy. If you find yourself distracted and get interrupted all the time. Yeah. Change it up. Okay, change it up a little bit. And so uh, it might not work for everybody, but I know it works for some, some people. Sure. So, um, but then, like, so they, they've been doing that for a while, and now they're, they're um, maybe they've been saving money. They've probably been a little right. profitable. Usually when you're a one-man show, you actually make a 
a little, a little chunk of change, but yeah. now they're ready to hire their first person. Sure. How does the printer, how does he determine that it's time from what uh, you've seen? Well, I would look at uh, – and Or uh, she, I, I would, he or yeah, she. I was just talking with a, a shop earlier today about this. Mm. So take out a legal pad and start writing down all the things that you hate doing. Okay. Okay. I hate washing screens. Okay. Well, that's the first thing you need to hire for. Right. right? I hate, I'm a crappy designer. Okay. Well, then we can outsource that too. Mm -hmm. Right. So you start writing down the things that you don't know how to do or you don't want to do or whatever. These are the things that you want to give up. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then when you start giving this stuff away, what you'll find is you'll have more time for the things that you're really good at. Maybe you really like to print. Right. Maybe you hate printing. I don't know. (laughs) So it's like you have to decide on, what is, I don't know, let's just call it a poker game, right? Mm-hmm. What chips are you going to bet on? Or roulette, that's probably a better analogy. Yeah. So what numbers are we going to put our chips on, right? Yeah. I don't want to put any chips on the screen printing, I mean, the uh, screen washing thing, because frankly, nobody likes to do it anyway. It's like doing the dishes, Can't right? Yeah, yeah. So let's just get a, somebody to come in, and they can do that one day a week, and we'll just have a big pile of screens, and they blow through them all. Gotcha. Because at a, si- a certain size shop, you only got 30 screens to do a week anyway. Right. So that's one day's worth of work. Just have that guy do it. Mm-hmm. Maybe they come in on a Friday or a Saturday, or maybe that's some college kid who comes in uh, um, in the mornings and, and only works two hours a day. And I, Whatever. Think that, and I think that makes sense, especially as an independent shop you can consider doing it that way because then you can just test and see if you can handle paying that guy just one day a week you can you can determine really quickly if you can if it's something you can swing and that's your first step your first hire well think about and here's the way to look at it is what do you pay yourself yeah what is your time worth right so let's just say your time you're paying yourself i don't know 20 bucks an hour right right so cleaning screens can you find somebody for 12 dollars an hour to do that, we okay. Go. Well, guess what? You just saved. You just saved eight bucks. There you go. Okay. And so to think about what your time is worth. And if you had to give up that thing you hate doing anyway, mm-hmm. and you save money doing it in your in your brain, right? Even though it's money going out. Now that two hours or three hours or six hours you're spending doing that task, you can be on the phone getting a client or designing that thing or printing some shirts yeah. or working on your website because you know it sucks or whatever you want, mm-hmm. right? You could be doing the stuff that you really need to get done, not doing the minor things that you don't like the doing. Shit. Yeah, that sounds right? good. I think that's good mm-hmm. advice. Yeah, and it kind of does lead into, um, you, because you kind of mentioned, like, well, the cost always comes up. And I think I've seen post after post after post, and it's really hard to explain on video or audio mm-hmm. how someone determines what they should be charging, where they need to go, all these right. kind of things. Is there, can you think of a way right now just well, I can tell you how they to talk about shouldn't it. be doing it. Okay, let's do that. They absolutely should not be doing the average of all the shops around me method. <laughs> right, okay. Okay, because that yeah. never works. Right. Okay, because guess what? I can speak to that. Your costs are different than that guy's costs and different than that girl's costs. They're different than that huge shop that you're never going to compete with costs. Mm. Okay, so if you get priceless from all this stuff and average it and then even worse, go, I'll be 10 percent below that. Okay, guess what? You're going to be out of business in a year or two. Yeah. And it's because your costs are different than all that. Mm. What you need to be doing is using your real costs. Okay, what are your real costs? And if you don't know what the real costs are, you need to be writing a business plan and doing that research 
and figuring it out. And what I can tell you is shops that just start off, their cost per impression are really super high because they don't have any work. Mm -hmm. Okay. Once you start getting work, your cost per impression is going to drop because it's based on the, you're averaging out amongst all the work. Right. right. So your total impressions for the month essentially right. take the cost so lower. So yeah. you could, you, it's your same overhead. It's the same light bill. Mm -hmm. It's the same. You had to buy the ink. You had to buy the shirts. You had to buy all the stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. All that is, uh, well, not shirts and ink, but all your overhead and stuff is always the same. Right. Right. So, um, so one of the things is when you do more work, the cost for that part of your business drops considerably mm -hmm. and that means your cost per impression is going to be way less right okay so where a lot of shops get confused is uh uh i think they they don't understand what all their costs are yeah okay and so, so um so so what do, what is so this almost sounds like step number one to pricing your your shop properly right you spreadsheet google google yeah so yeah, you could do a spreadsheet, okay, if you want to. I have an ebook for that, and we can talk about that later. Actually, no, if we're uh, talking about it. Okay, so I have a, an ebook called uh, Price for Profit that I've already built a spreadsheet, and it's already got automated formulas and stuff. And all you have to do is put your costs in it and, uh, and understand what you're doing with following along with the exercises of the book. Okay. And what it does is it calculates everything for you automatically and gives you your cost per impression uh, because the formulas are already written in it. And all you got to do is just put your numbers in. It, Where would they find that? That's It's on my webpage, which is AtkinsonTshirt.com. I'll link that in the description of this video yeah, as well. And it, uh, uh, there's a shop button. Uh -huh. Just click shop, and then you'll see all my eBooks are right there. Okay, cool. And so, like, from you've been working on this for a while. It, you need you, – you, as a shop, you have to – input those numbers you have to do the right. research to actually right. become a real viable business yeah, that will so, so succeed so like the ebook uh if you've what i like to see is three years worth of numbers five years is better but let's say you're a new shop yeah, and you don't know anything right okay well then you do a really good job of estimating what these numbers are going to be and the only way you're going to know that is by talking to suppliers understanding what your costs are uh, so when you, what is an average gallon of ink? How mm -hmm. much ink do we need to buy? Mm -hmm. uh, how, what is my light bill going to be? What do I, am I, am in my mom's basement or am I in the, the garage or I've got a strip mall thing mm -hmm. or I'm actually paying rent somewhere. So right. the, the, the ebook has, uh, four basic things that I want you to track. The first one is your overhead. So overhead is your rent. It's your mortgage. It's your utility, uh, not utility, but it's your um, uh, insurance payment. It's your website. It's your telephone. It's uh, what you pay yourself in salary. Mm. Uh, it's all the stuff that's really a fixed number every okay. month or thereabouts because, uh, you know, you could, there's some fluctuations. Not hourly it's, employees, just it's, salaried. It's, no, it's machine payments, that kind of stuff. Okay. I like to do salary employees in the overhead because they're, uh, the, the paycheck is always the same. It's fixed. It's fixed. Yeah. Okay. Then there's labor, which is, you know, what you pay Jesse, okay. right? What you might pay other employees, right? Mm -hmm. So that's in your labor. So that's uh, regular plus overtime. Then there is your consumables. So consumables is your ink and emulsion and press wash and 
Band-Aids and mm-hmm. you went to Lowe's and bought a mop. I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. It's all that, mm-hmm. right? So whatever you're buying, it's office paper, it's paper clips, it's a magic marker, it's razor blades, it's every single thing you're buying for your shop. Okay, that's in that consumable bucket. Right. Okay, and then there's energy, which is your uh, natural gas, if you have those dryers, electricity, sewer, and water. Gotcha. Okay, and then I also include the fifth bucket, which is uh, what I call the profit bucket, which is if I wanted to make $50,000 at the end of the year or $10,000 at the end of the year, okay, I'm going to divide. Everything is divided up by how many impressions that we're printing, so that's how we're going to figure out our cost per impression. Okay, mm-hmm. we're going to add all these numbers up, and we're going to. Div- so let's say it's you know twenty thousand dollars for the month, and they're divided by you know uh, I'm crappy at math, but fifty thousand <laughs> impressions, right? Uh, uh-huh. You know, so what's that going to be for the cost per impression? That's going to where that's going to be, right? right? So the the profit bucket is just about you're setting that goal, and you're going to be adding to that a little bit. So maybe three cents or five cents or 10 cents for every single impression you print goes to that. So you add it to your thing just as like profit. It almost works yeah. like that profit first principle. In yeah. A lot so of ways. what you're doing is, sorry, my headphones are, they start right hurting, here. right? Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, uh, so it's kind of like what you're doing is, uh, if you've, if anybody's automatically put money in a savings account with their paycheck, mm-hmm. that's what essentially you're doing. So it's you're, smart to apply so, that to your pricing. So you're, yeah. So what you're saying is I'm taking a nickel yeah. and an impression is of, uh, of it's not how many colors it's location. So a front, a three color front, six color back is two impressions. Mm-hmm. So you're, it's events, it's production events that you're doing. Yeah. And that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Right? So it's, yeah, you're taking, it's a macro view of your business. It doesn't matter how many colors and whatever. Right. Don't get hung up on that. It's just about, you had to burn screens. So there's, so it's a macro view of, uh, you had to buy some mesh. You had to buy some frames. Mm-hmm. You had to buy the emulsion. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it's divided by the units of work. How many impressions are you having? So right. what I want you to get is the total cost for all that and then track the amount of work you're doing. Okay. okay. And then that's going to divide together and you're going to see what your cost per impression so is. You, okay. So you don't, you don't have, you don't count, but you need to be counting your impressions per month that's, to figure that's out. That's your work. So guess that's what? Your work, yeah. If you don't have any work, your cost per impression is through the roof yeah. because you've bought all this stuff. Right. If you're super busy, your cost per impression is going to be much lower. So it's a sliding scale that's constantly adjusting. It's, it's a roller coaster. Right. Okay. Right. So what you're going to see is. Uh, and it depends on your geography and your market, okay? But you, what you'll see is certain times of the year, your costs are much higher mm. because you're in Arizona and you got to run the air conditioning. Right. Or you're in Wisconsin and you got to have the heat on, mm-hmm. right? So there's certain times of the year that certain parts of these are going to be higher or lower than others. Right. And also with seasonality with your market, right? So during the summer, schools aren't buying anything, mm. right? But they are in August. They are in September, Right. So it's like one of these things you could see, you know, your it could go and then go up. Right. So what you want to do is you want to use this to plan. If you've got three to five years worth of history, mm-hmm. you can see and you can graph all this stuff and you yeah. can plan. Hey, we've been a steady average of eight percent better every year. So next year uh, we did. I'm just using a number. We did a hundred thousand impressions. Mm-hmm. So next year, if we're eight percent better, we should be doing a hundred and eight thousand impressions. Right. Right. So that should go up. But what happens if it's 
big numbers, mm-hmm. 16%, 25%, 50%. Maybe you're just starting out. Mm-hmm. So you want to look ahead to stuff and understand, well, guess what? If I've only been doing 1,000 impressions a month, what's it going to look like when I start doing 10,000 impressions a month? Right. Or 1,000 impressions a day? Right. You know? So, um, and then sense. the reason why you can't use somebody else's price list is because you're thinking 1,000 impressions a day sounds like a lot mm-hmm. a month i mean a thousand impressions a month it sounds like a lot well there's a lot of shops you know that's that's what they get before eight o'clock right yeah okay yeah, and yeah. so you're in your average of all the priceless around me you're using that guy's priceless you'll never get to that right you can later mm-hmm. but right the second now using that guy's priceless is very foolish yeah, but that, it, that, this is where the question with every single printer comes up because I just saw this question the other day and he and he asked uh, I can't remember which one of you it was sorry, but he he goes dude I'm a dollar I'm a dollar cheaper than the guy down the street how the is he yeah. making any money right and this is but this it is it's almost like a catch twenty two it's a conundrum that every right. small printer is trying to figure well, out how are they so much cheaper well the shop I ran I used to buy ink and fifty gallon drums I bet my ink is cheaper than yours it's the volume okay so yeah. it's like one of these things where you can't compare yourself to that guy you and go. you shouldn't position yourself against that guy a better way of doing it is trying to figure out the value that you're trying to bring. Dude, that okay. segued perfectly. Yeah, well, I didn't see your notes. <laughs> segued but, perfectly. But the value you're trying to bring, because he might be cheaper, but guess what? If your artist kicks their ass, yeah. you're getting the work. Because right. art sells, mm. okay? It, it, and, as a former art director, art sells. That's what you want. You Better art will always outdo it, things. And then also... Do you offer delivery? Do you offer uh, a free web store? Do you uh, what other intangibles? So the thing that when you write that business plan, which I hope you guys are doing, when you write that business plan, the thing that you got to understand first isn't what you're trying to sell. Right. Right. It's the pain point of your customer. What do they want resolved? What will they align with the most? What would, if you offered that, they would crave it, and price doesn't even matter anymore, mm. okay, because you're, they're craving what you're offering. Okay, so I read this. Hey, Google, shut up, Google. So, <laughs> Google hey, Alexa, tripping. Alexa hates you. <laughs> she does. So, so the, the thing, I read this quote the other day, and I used it today, actually, which is, Quit trying to sell quarter-inch drill bits mm. and start trying to sell quarter-inch holes. All right. Okay? Mm. So don't sell the thing, the print. Right. Sell the results. That's what you sell. Okay? So don't sell that I can do a print. Well, right. so what? Everybody can do a print. Yeah. Okay? It's the result that you're selling. The fact that um, let's say you're doing um, – you're trying to get that bar – uh, gift shop business, mm-hmm. right? So uh, if you can offer a design that will sell out every single day, right. right? It won't matter what you're charging the bar for the shirt mm-hmm. because they're making money on it, right? Okay, yeah. So it's like one of these things where is that something you can do? And if not, why the hell not? Right. Find some if you if art is going to sell, find the artist. And even if you're paying that guy $1,000 for the art, if you made $100,000 on that gift shop client mm-hmm. with that guy's artwork, mm-hmm. that $1,000 you spend for the artwork is way worth it. 
Right. So, and, and so I, it's just a matter of thinking yeah. in bigger terms than uh, am I a nickel? I need to be a nickel cheaper than the other guy, which is where that rabbit hole where a lot of people go. Yeah, and I can speak to that personally. And I've, I've spoke with them many, many times so they know the story. But they're – I basically went into that exact category. I fell in that category. And it's when I talked to you the first time is when I changed my tune. And, and what I, did I tell you? You basically told me what you just said here, that, <laughs> that you've got to start selling value. And I think it's interesting a cons- being having a consultant that's not directly involved with what you're doing. Even if it's just uh, someone that has a YouTube video and they go, well, you need to do this and this and this. Because they get a bird's eye view and sometimes it just takes somebody going, dude. Why aren't you selling it on value? Why, right. why do you keep focusing on price? And I can speak to the fact that since I've changed and we've started trying to really sell this as almost more of like an art studio with hand printed, the clients are coming and the right clients are coming. So right. I do 100% agree with you yeah, with, so the, when you say that. So earlier before we started this thing, I was telling you uh, something I heard or read. I can't remember where it came from, but uh, if you don't get that – wince when you give somebody a quote yeah. you're not charging enough see it's okay? an interesting and, and so it's like one of these things uh, because they'll sure give it a wince and, and then you do you okay i yeah. understand why it's that much i'll go ahead and, and pay for it yeah right? and it's important i think a lot of this is where a lot of new business people get caught because they're just the nose are so terrible that wince actually scares them but so and it's i think that's really good advice you you need to become comfortable and understand that you need them to almost go, oh, shit. And, but you overcome that by selling value that, right. that right. maybe you weren't so thinking of before. Think about other industries, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, analogy I use a lot is uh, there's like the Four Seasons Hotel, mm-hmm. right? So they have clientele that books at the Four Seasons, yeah. right? They don't care what the Red Roof Inn is charging. Right, right. Okay. So it's like one of these things where they're looking at the Four Seasons type of clients that are happy to spend $600 a night for a hotel room. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what I'm telling screen printers out there is when you write your business plan, okay, don't worry about those tire kicker low ball people unless unless that's who you want to get, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want people who are going to spend a certain amount of money and you're going to make a certain amount of profit, Mm -hmm. figure out how you're building your business plan to solve their problems and get you to align with what they need and what they want. And they're more than happy to pay you whatever you're charging. Yeah, That's the secret. That is the secret. But that, you know, that, as, as we talk, I start coming up with these questions. I have to think how to phrase this question because <laughs> it's, it's important that I get this right. Every shop comes to, they're going to come to a point where they're, uh, they're going to move from one thing to another. They're going to transition or pivot, whatever the fuck you yep, want to call it. Right. But how does that happen? When does that happen? When do you go from the guy that's running a manual or two yeah. to a shop that, that's running three or four automatics that, that, that is now well, has so many impressions per probably, month? But how do they – And because I get this question. This right. is the most prominent question okay. in any group. Well, okay, a manual printer, okay, mm-hmm. on average prints – because it, it, it just depends on what the job is. Sure. But let's just call it 60 impressions an hour. There you go. Okay? Well, when you have 2,000 impressions to, a day to do, you can't do that with a manual. Right. Okay? So at a certain time, it's so painful. The amount of work that you have, mm. the only way to get it done is with an automatic press. The automated. Okay? But with that comes a whole other host of headaches. And so it's uh, – but in the meantime, you know, there are things that you can do. 
Okay, you can outsource those big jobs, right? You can have, a, there's plenty of contract printers. I bet some of these people out here are, are mm -hmm. contract printers. You could do a speed table, right? You got, you know what that is? No. Well, you have one guy load, the other guy prints. Oh, we do that and, all the time. Yeah. You call it a speed table? Yeah, whatever. So okay. whatever the name is. Yeah. So what happens is instead of 60 an hour, you're getting 120 an hour. Yes. Okay. So it's like one of these things where it's twice as fast because you're, you're, some, you're working at the same time. Right. Okay. So, so that's another way you can increase your speed. Okay. But at a certain point, even that won't be enough. Okay. okay, so you can get more manual presses, mm -hmm. right? You can. So one of the things that I uh, probably you should look at is the size of your orders. So if all your orders are a case or less, mm -hmm. probably don't need an auto. You just need right. more manuals. Okay, it's an interesting notion too. Well, it's, yeah. So because a manual is way cheaper. Right. Right. So you could have like, see, for all your printing is forty-eight piece jobs. Mm -hmm. Okay, and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Get four, five, six manuals where it's uh, a printer, a printer on one drawer with a catcher. Yeah. Okay? Because when you do an auto, you need a press operator and a puller and a catcher. Okay? And then you have to have that for each auto. Mm -hmm. Okay? So guess what? That's triple the labor. Right. And labor, as we all know, is the number one expense in your entire shop is labor. Uh -huh. Right? So unless you have the work coming in to and not to mention the you know 200 grand for the press and the dryer and stuff Shit, yeah man. right so plus the infrastructure to yeah plus the you know three phase electricity yeah. and and then you need to have uh 200 more screens yeah. and then you need and so it's on and on and on it, there isn't just hey i'm gonna buy this auto and all my problems are solved no no your problems just started yeah and he's so, not, <laughs> and you're not i know you're not advocating not getting an auto but no, you said autos are great you said you said one thing to me when i asked you because i right. met marshall when i was i've said this to these guys before when i was getting ready to drop some dough on an auto i was knee deep in it and i t and i asked you and he said dude you it's not time to automate until you have a business plan that's what you told yeah, me. yeah you need one yeah because and i think now as i think about it more what you're saying here it's because with a business plan you're road mapping where you're going to go with that auto you know yeah. where you're going to end up so right. it, it helps you decide if six manuals is a better decision than a couple of autos. You can do, you can do the math. It makes you know, a spreadsheet is the, is your, is the way to go. It almost makes a decision for you at it that make, point. Yeah. So you have to, so the, what is your average order size? Is mm -hmm. it 500 pieces? Well, that's an auto. There you go. Is it 48? Uh, not so much. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and so, just to be clear to make sure everyone understands, they can both be great businesses. Oh, I'm not saying they're not. I'm right. just saying you got to do what works. Absolutely. And I think it's all it has to be based on the math. The, yeah, yeah. And um, not and, on what your neighbors. And got. I'm not a uh, out of my head math guy. That's why I like spreadsheets because yeah. you build the formula and yeah. it does all the. It's like a calculator. It does all right. the work for you. Right. So. And I, I just like to always emphasize too because you did it to me, and then now I like to relay that to to uh, everyone that's in the print fam in that. Don't just because the guy down the street automated it doesn't mean that it is the right choice for you. There's and it doesn't mean that your business is any less better than that yeah. person's business. Well, we need to get out of the dick measuring business. It's, yeah, that, and so and that seems a, to be what so it, it is. doesn't it doesn't matter what if they have better tools than you, right. okay? Because it's all based on the output that you're doing. You know, and what's right for your business at this particular time. Right. And we're all on a different journey. Like some shops have been around for 10 years and they still have a manual and they're doing fine. Mm -hmm. Some shops have three autos and they're about to go bankrupt. Yeah. And so it's like <laughs> one of these things that don't worry about it. Worry about yourself and worry about what you can control. 
You can only control what's around you. Mm -hmm. Okay, don't worry about what's down the street or whatever. Control what you can control. Right. Okay, and invest the time there and learn to make yourself better first. Okay. Love that, dude. And then elevate your staff, elevate your offering, build a better website, uh, which is a big thing. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, learn your craft. Mm -hmm. Okay. Invest in. The, I invest probably in the screen room before I invest in a press. Yeah. And, uh, because yeah. it's called screen printing for a reason. It's not called pressing. Right. Okay? It all comes down to that damn screen room. <laughs> so, <dude. laughs> so invest in screen room and understand that and the reasons why. Mm -hmm. Like, you can go to Facebook right now, and you can see, hey, how come this print looks like crap? Yeah. And people who know will tell you, well, it's your screens, man. Right. It, 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 just by the picture, because yeah. we've, we've seen it for years and years and right, years, right? right? So, uh, but they don't believe it. You know, they first, what's the first thing they blame? It's always the press. Dude. No, it's the ink. No. They always the blame inks. it on the ink. That's the, yeah, yeah, you're right. So, you're uh, right. But it's, it's usually the screens. Yeah. So, um yeah, I you know I do, man. I think I think that that's good advice, and I had somewhere I wanted to go with that, but I forgot. So let's yeah. bust out my list because I got questions, and then right. you guys because it's getting damn. It's already been an hour. We're gonna go into it's the Q and A. Yeah, dude, these things go so fast. Um, what should they be doing? What steps to getting past the shortcut? Okay. Now we've I think we pretty much covered it all, man. I mean, like we were saying earlier, it's very difficult to verbally tell you how to price your shop. What I would say to you guys, and again, man, I hate promoting shit. You guys know that. I'm a, but I think in this particular case, the tools that he's put together, first off, he's put a shitload of time into building them. It's not like he just cobbled some shit together. I would say if you're dead serious about getting your shit together, just go check it out. And I'm going right. to put a link to the description in his website. Uh, that's all. That's what you got to do. You got to put in the work. You got to figure out what your numbers are. And from there, you'll have an answer as to where you need to go and how you need to be pricing. And then from there, sell on value. Right. Well, that's the, that's the key. That's, that's the key is to align what your customers, what they value. For yeah. instance, if it doesn't matter if what your price is, if your customer wants it tomorrow. If right. their number one thing is I need something tomorrow yeah. and they're willing to pay $45 for a t-shirt. Yeah. Okay. Why are you, uh, I'm only seven to 10 days out and here's my price list and it's $12. Yeah. You're totally missing the boat. You have to understand your customer and what they value and what their pain points are and then build your business you around do. that. You do. And then what will happen is you'll have better success because you're in alignment with what your, yeah, what your customer wants. Exactly. And even for me as a, uh, as a print shop, when I started, I was, you know, most people in this industry are not business people. They're some form of artist. So when, it, when I first started, I was terrified to ask for money. I'm getting much more comfortable now. And even just today, when a client needs a damn job and they need it by Friday – if they really want it, they will pay. They may not even wince at the price. You need to have the courage of your conviction. You need to know that this is your price and this is what you charge. We charge a 50% markup on a rush like that. And guess what? They pay it. Yeah, well, why aren't you charging 100 Probably should be. Maybe okay. maybe once so we're done with this, we'll they, charge 100 If they just, hey, without even blinking, pay it, yeah. I'm tell you you're not charging enough. It, he brings that back up. If, if you <laughs> if you do it and you and you're testing things and they go, out, oh, it's it's that much. Like, Let me write you a check. Yeah. Okay. You never know, too. The guy down the street could have literally hit them at double. You could be so undervaluing everything that you're doing. Right. Uh, but that's the whole point, man. Just don't be afraid of your pricing, whatever it needs to be, whether it, it's higher than the guy down the street. Well, here's here's the phrase. Yeah. Profit is not a dirty word. 
There you go, man. Make it's really your not. money. Make your money. The biggest CEOs, I can't think of who it is, but he said if he could write one goddamn thing on a billboard, if he could do one billboard, like his end-all, be-all right. billboard, he would say, raise prices. Right. That's like, okay, maybe yeah. I should be raising my prices. Right. So I love this, bro. That was a lot of good information. Sure. I don't know that we really dove into the efficiency stuff. Well, let's go. We got any, we got any questions? We got Maybe. a lot of questions. You know what? Actually, would you mind coming back another day to talk exclusively about – yeah. Um, shop efficiencies. Yeah, we Because I do think that. we dove more into price today. Well, maybe uh, some questions have. They might hit us because, dude, we yeah. could go for another hour for all I yeah, know. Yeah, whatever. You up to it? Yeah. All right. So, guys, hopefully some of you called into the hotline. Um, so we're going to do that first. We're going to check. If not, then yeah, we'll just. people waiting? How do you know? Then we'll dive into the um, to the chat. Well, See, I get to see the command center. This you is do. cool. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a bumbling mess is what it is. Uh, so. <laughs> So if you haven't called into the hotline but you have questions for him, start submitting those questions in the chat right now. And, of course, type at the print life so that I actually see them. So start typing those questions in. E, what is this one? But first, we're going to favor the call-ins. Uh, 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 uh. There go. Oh, yeah, man. You Look got hit. That. Okay. So we're going to start at the bottom, work our way up. Somebody's in here a couple times. What's up with that? Ryan, that Ryan's, he seems to, we'll see. It might be two different questions. It might be the same Oh, these are twice. recordings? Yeah, so they call oh, it okay. in. So they record I thought it. they were on hold. That would be even cooler. <laughs> you know, I couldn't figure out how to do that. I know there's a way. I was like, why is that guy on hold twice? You know what we could, <laughs> what we should do is get a live Skype call in option too. That oh, would be sick. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be really cool. Anyway, let's start this first one off here. So we're going to be quiet while we listen. Hey, Kim. Hey, Print Life. Can you hear it? Marshall Atkinson, thank you so much for being here today with us. Super appreciate it. I was hoping you guys could talk a little bit about halftones in terms of keeping the dot, uh, dot gain, what causes and how to prevent Murray patterns, stuff like that. I'm really getting deeper into it, and I'm just curious on what you guys have to say about it. All right, thanks. Uh, uh, did the audience hear that? Yeah, I'm going to ask him right now. So could you guys hear that in the thing? Let me know in the chat right now. So let's just repeat what he said. So uh, Ryan was talking about halftones, uh, best practices, how to prevent moray and dot gain and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Okay, so uh, halftones, um, let's just start with some basics, mm -hmm. okay? Uh, there's a lot of theories uh, all I know, Cam, is what I know, mm -hmm. right? So I'm not saying what I'm saying is any better or different than anybody else's theory. So it starts off with the, what I call the rule of four, mm -hmm. okay, which means your uh, halftone line weight, okay, uh, you multiply that by four, and that should be your minimum mesh screen count. mesh count. Yeah. Okay? I think that's a pretty good principle to run with. Well, some people it's five. That's, You've uh, heard that? Yeah, So mm -hmm. uh, and because they want a higher mesh. Okay, so but to me, I've had results, best results with four. Okay, and uh, the angles I've always used for spot color are 63.4 mm. for simulator process or just a half tone drop shadow or something. Okay, 63.4. I like a 50 line dot, I like an elliptical shape. And the reason you want to use an elliptical shape is because. A circled halftone will, like, uh, you know, if your mesh is a tic-tac-toe square, mm. it'll fall in the middle, right? Yeah. And then you won't have a halftone. But a, a elliptical dot 
it'll hit one of the lines somewhere, yeah. and then you get better half tones yeah, when I you use elliptical dot. Yeah, I think the circles are actually a, a big cause of more. More, I never know well, how to more say it. More, it's, it's a French term meaning more. it looks like shit. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. so the, what happens? Yeah. More actually is interference, mm. and it's caused by when you do a half tone. The angle means all the dots are in a particular. They they will line up like little soldiers. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what causes the moray is the, the mesh. The mesh is ninety zero ninety, right? Yeah. So your angle of your half tones causes the interference, and where the dots hit on that grid causes these wavy looking lines. Mm. Okay, yeah. so the problem here, especially with printers who are using film and not a computer screen unit, is you could have it perfectly set up on your film, and then when you put it on your screen, it's just slightly turned a little bit, mm. and that causes all the moray. Yeah. Okay, which is why. If you're doing somewhere around 30 to 40 screens a day, you should really be looking at going to a computer-to-screen system because mm. you've got enough volume to make it worthwhile financially with an ROI, but you're going to solve that moray problem instantly, and you'll never have it again because it's a machine doing it and not somebody screwing around with the film. Right. Um, Another thing to chime in on that, too, with moray is moray. Moray. God damn. I can't say M-O-I-R-E. With a um, little uh, <laughs> accent thing on the I. Yeah. So one, one thing the, that I – we've been experimenting <laughs> with it is those uh, – the S-mesh. For some reason, it, I guess it's like what you're talking about with the, with the way things line up. But when they have yeah. the thinner thread in the mesh of the screen – it's like not blocking the dot as much, and it does seem to cut down. We just did a job with it, and it, like, it's almost a thing of the past for us. We don't even have to dive into the details right. of the angles yeah. of the right. thing to the mesh. So maybe if you're having a lot of problems with it, check out some of those right. thin mesh screens as well. Right. And the, um, the, where else were you going? So, so some other things is uh, on CMYK, I don't know if anybody does four-color process, some but do. I did. Uh, my angles were always uh, cyan is 82, magenta is 22, yellow is 112, and black is 52. And you want those are all 30 degrees apart, and they should form a rosette. Yeah. You should all have a loop. If you don't know what a loop is, you should go, you can buy one on Amazon for like six bucks, mm -hmm. and uh, I have one in my bag we can get. And um, so it's a little magnifying glass, and you can look and see the little rosette. Yeah. Um, let's see what else on halftone. So, and you can see what a rosette's supposed to look like if you look at if you get a loop on like a magazine, a good one. It literally is like a circle. Looks like a little flower. Yeah, it's it's nice. Yeah, yeah it's and, clean looking. Yeah, and so. Um, um, the reason you get lots of dot gain, the dot gain is caused by two things. Crappy screen tension, okay, and too much damn pressure, okay? So here's a rule of thumb. It doesn't even matter if it's a halftone. If you can see your print on your board, you're using too much pressure. There you go. Okay, that's just right off the bat. Yeah. You should never see your print on your board because you're not getting paid to print the platen. You're getting paid to print <laughs> the funny. wood. I yeah. mean, the uh, shirt, that's right? That's funny. So what's happening is you've got so much pressure, you're driving the ink through the shirt like a hammer with a nail. Yeah. Okay? So you need to back off that pressure. And, uh, and then good. also, I would look at your screen tension because let's think about it. A low screen tension, okay, mm -hmm. is like a trampoline. So when you print, right, it bends down a little bit, and that causes all types of problems, including dot gain, right. okay? Mm -hmm. If it's super tight, like a sheet of glass, your squeegee is just going to shear the ink 
and it's going to drop down onto the thing uh, yeah. onto the shirt easier, mm -hmm. right? So the, that's the reason why screen tension is so important totally in this industry. Yeah. And um, so for those shops that don't have a screen tension meter, you know, you can buy one for a hundred bucks or whatever. Bucks, yeah. Okay, and then uh, so here's my rule of thumb on that is. Um, anything under 18 newtons, okay, you don't use that screen anymore, mm. okay? That goes, uh, you remesh it, or if it's a roller frame, you retighten it. Uh, in between 18 and 20 is only good for one colors, okay? Uh, 20 newtons or above is good for multicolor jobs. And for multicolor jobs, you want to stick to um, about two newtons a screen, uh, a screen difference. Mm -hmm. So one's 24, one's 26, one's 25. That's all within two newtons. Yeah. You could use that. There you go. One's 21, one's 26. You might have some registration issues. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So the importance of having a good, nice screen. And also dot gain uh, can also be caused by two sh by not having your squeegee sharp or using a two or a rounded blade. Mm -hmm. So I would use a, a nicely sharp squeegee. Um, I like uh, like a triple durometer, 70, 90, 70, but yeah. you can use whatever you want. But I like uh, a super sharp, you know, harder squeegee is going to have less stock gain because yeah. you're not putting as much force through yep. the thing. And yep. then also I would look at your emulsion over mesh. Yeah, uh, definitely. And so it's really nice to have a good coated screen. Mm -hmm. And so what you want is a um, – think, think about um, – I don't see a glass. But think about this bottled water – right mm -hmm. as a section view of your screen right um your channel that you create this was a half tone dot right yeah. you want to drive the ink down through it and onto the shirt right okay right. so if you don't have a good screen if you haven't exposed it right if you've got any issues with your emulsion mm -hmm. what happens is you've got an irregular dot and that causes the dot to spread it a little bit right okay so if you have a really great screen room this is why i was saying you should invest in your screen room yeah, it's uh, the you're, first place to start you're going sure. to have better half tones yeah and that's all from that craftsmanship in taking care of the screens yeah oh another one that i have on on dot gain the um i heard it i can't remember where one of those wonderful wearables magazines or whatever mm -hmm. but um it's common for most of us when we do a lot of spot color printing to build the bottom of the stencil up. You're building that up thick, right? Well, mm. I heard this, and you guys could test this out. I haven't tested it out personally, but building um, instead of like when you're doing half tones, instead of turning it flat side down to let your to let your screen dry, you're actually turning it upside down. Essentially, you're trying to have as little. Uh, emulsion on the print side of the screen any emulsion should be built up on the inside and apparently what that helps do is not deposit as much ink on the garment which then reduces dot gain as well did i explain that properly uh, i don't know but i wouldn't do it that way i i like I just heard this i like screens mm. when you got them in the rack and they're drying yeah the print side is down typically and so the the, the gravity is going to make it um yeah uh th that's going to be better because you Right. You're creating the channels, what you want for the ink to drop into. Right, and this, and this is the whole point. When you're with dot gain, a lot of the time it's because either you're using too much pressure or you're depositing too much ink. So if you can, first off, oh, yeah, and that was another thing, too. You want to use a really sharp blade when it comes to uh, right. coating your screens, as opposed, I mean, an actual coater, as opposed to using the round side for doing, like, spot color stuff on your 150s, your 200s. Use the sharp side and ultimately just try to make as 
a clean, good coat, but a thin coat. The thinner the coat, the less ink will be deposited on the substrate. Haven't tried it, but it is something I heard that helps reduce dot gain. So, and okay. anything else you got? Uh, not on that. Not on that. Just, that was a good question, dude. It's yeah, complicated, though. Well, you can talk it, about it forever. Well, you have to dial it into what their what their right. problems are. Yeah, I, I kind of often hesitate even talking about that stuff. Cause, and also, there's a million different opinions on the same subject. Well, every, all I know is what I know. Yeah, so yeah. So I'm not going to get in an argument. But it was good. <laughs> and it was a good question. So thanks for tuning in, dude. Uh, next one. If it's another halftone question, we're skipping it. Monahu, Cam, this is William Center from Indigenous Graphics. I had a question for Marshall on the niche stuff. How do you uh, make it to where it appeals to uh, other groups? Um, because mine's more of tribal. Um, most of my customers and clients are tribal. Uh, it's kind of hard to get people who are non-tribal uh, go through me to do their printing. Um, I know I'm cheaper than anybody else. It's not that um, it breaks my bank. Um, I do make a profit, a, a good profit. <clears throat> it's just that I don't have to pay rent since I'm on the reservation and stuff like that. I don't have a lot of the, the financial obligations like a lot of people do on shops that are not on reservation land. But I uh, just want to know how you go about uh, breaking that barrier to where some people, like from my experience, and from some of the other native printers I've, I've talked to, the, to where they think that um, we don't print well enough or we're not good at artwork or whatever the case may be. Um, but I do try to be creative and show them what I can do, what's possible, um, and how creative I can get. Um, some, um, most people, especially on the tribe, and the only one that's non-tribal is Chamber of Commerce, um, they let me do the design work because they say the designs I do a lot better than what their idea is, and we print it out and go from there. So I haven't really had much of a fuss with clients being too picky or anything like that. Um, they go with the colors I, su I suggest, and there they go. But my problem is it's getting out there to where to show other people that are non-tribal that I can actually do the work, and it's just as good quality as the next guy. And like I said, um, I can beat out any printer um, here price-wise and stuff like that, and it doesn't hurt me or anything of that nature and the business plan. We is. got a question in there. Yeah. So, so it's basically, did everybody hear that? They heard it. They can hear it better than we can. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's basically he's got a, he's, he's got a market niche. He's a, he's a tribal guy, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah. uh, and that's great. Okay. You know why that's great? Is because he has an unfair advantage. He's got it already. He's got, and here's so he's cheaper than everybody else. That seems to me that he needs to raise his prices. Right. Okay. And, and, he, and, and he did mention that it's because his cost of overhead is lower. But dude, so it doesn't cares? mean your prices so should be lower. Here's the thing that I want that guy. What was his name? You know, I, he's from Indigenous Graphics. Let me let me hear it real quick. To, God, it's uh, really quiet. Monahu, Cam, this is William Center from New William. William. All right, so William, here's what you should do is when you think about your prices, if you had to operate in a shop like Cam has, what would that cost you? And put that into your pricing, okay? And because the reason is you're not always going to want to operate out of your garage or your basement or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you need to have that and you built into your pricing right now in that and so you can understand what your pricing's like, and that way uh, you're uh, doing it in basin 
like uh, a, a more of a reality base. So when you want to get into a bigger shop, mm -hmm. that money is always accounted for into your pricing structure. And also I want to speak okay. on that. Like I understand that he wants to step out of his niche. Yeah. But dude, like you have a great niche and like, if, if you already have connections to different tribes, even if there are other tribes besides the tribe you're in, like, I just feel like I would exploit that <laughs> to the to the furthest potential Here, first. Think about this with just a different scenario. Yeah. Right? So let's say you're a Marine Corps veteran, and right. you're operating your shop, and everything is Semper Fi, Bulldogs, kill them all, sort them out, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And your whole line is based on that you're a Marine, you're a veteran. Mm -hmm. That's your unfair advantage with all Marines everywhere. It okay? is, and they will always favor you over the right. next guy. So if you are a tribal guy, mm -hmm. okay, I don't know where this guy lives, yeah. but, but, you know, there are Indian tribes in every state, everything he could be their resource and here's the other thing is you know the i mean i would exploit I'm, it <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from florida yeah. right the seminole indian tribe owns hard rock cafes mm. they own that whole they own that whole business they bought it right really so how come this guy doesn't have this the hard rock cafe business because he's a tribal guy so it's like yeah. one of these things where you think about doing things that are just a little beyond what you're doing and and see if you can get that alignment. Right. Okay. And it all it, so if they say no, it gives a crap. At least you called them, right? Yeah. At least you called them, William. So it's like one of these things where what is your unfair advantage? Are you a minority? Are you a woman? Are you a Marine veteran? Are you a tribal guy? Yeah. The, are, the vets, are, the police. A lot right, of police, police work with police. Are, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of firemen yeah. and police that have screen printing shots because they have all this time off and they have so, the connections. So yeah, instead yeah. of instead of uh, you know having a lawn care company like yeah. a lot of them do, they have a screen print shop. I even talked so, to a guy, Mike Serqua, who was starting printing for. He was exclusively going after um, not just construction but foam. Foam, the the spray foam guy. So his whole right. niche was just like trying sure. to to you can so, be super deep in right. one niche. Right. And that's really the point, man. I think that first raise your prices, get, start selling value, but really go after those tribes, man. I, I think you're mm -hmm. just missing a huge you're, you have something that everyone's always trying to find. It's right in right. front of you. Well, I couldn't sell to the tribes. No, dude. So, you know, because unless you, know, you had an in with a tribe uh, yeah, member, I, I, um, you know, Joe White guy. I mean, we do. We get to work for him sometimes. But yeah, dude, you're, you have an unfair advantage. He said it perfectly earlier. And I would mm -hmm. I'd exploit the shit out of it. Right. Moving on, man. Yeah. Good. Good answer, though. Very good. Good question, too. Uh, and it brings up another point that sometimes, and that's why it's good to have an outsider's perspective, because you just you get tunnel vision and you don't see the opportunities right in front of you. Well, but what that is is tell you it's it's a confidence level. That too, okay, probably. he's not confident. The reason why we don't offer things at the price we should is we're not confident uh -huh. about what we're selling. So if you're confident about your ability to work and do the work and mm -hmm. print and design and do things. This is my price. Take it or leave it. I don't care. Yeah. Because I'm confident about it. Right. Okay. And because you can deliver. But he did sound confident on his print skills. I think he's okay. not confident in his pricing. So, yeah, he needs to – you need to right. own it, dude. You need to – you need to say, dude, my printing is good, and I own this pricing, and this right. is my pricing. Right. And then asking questions like that to this man and this mm -hmm. man gives you an outsider's perspective, and now hopefully you're going, oh, shit, I should be focusing on this group. Maybe not worry about these these people over here. Don't you don't you agree? Yep. Yeah, it's good. That was mm -hmm. good. Anyway, let's get another one in here, man. 
Bonahu, Cam, oh, no, which is William Center from oh, that's Business Graphics. It helped me out by giving me all the business to... Okay, next one. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Ryan Perez, Ryan Beat. Uh, first and foremost, let's say thank you guys for doing this. Marshall, it was a pleasure meeting at ISS at Long Beach. Um, I'm just dropping by to say thank you for dropping the knowledge, especially for a new screen printer like myself. Uh, any new tips and tricks and just budgeting is always welcome, and I'm always trying to do better at it. So, uh, first of all, thank you, and that's about it, guys. You have a good one. Peace cool. out. Well, that was just a shout-out from Ryan yeah. Perez. He was the one hanging with me at the thing. Oh, right. Yeah, cool, yeah, so yeah. We, yeah, we all met him. We also lost touch somewhere along the line. Well, I had a client wanted to pay me, so I dumped you. We were busy. <laughs> yeah, apparently I'm not a good date, this fucking guy. It was, but he, it so, was, a, it was hectic for both of us at uh, that yeah, ISS, man. Uh, yeah. I had fun. Again, I wouldn't right. have went if he didn't talk. He basically told me I needed to go, and you were right. Yeah, I got your free, free thing. He got me. Oh my god, he got me the press pass. <laughs> he got me the whole shit. Right. But it was a good time. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for calling in, man. That was, that was cool. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I, he, I think this is him again. This might be all we got. That's the first one we listened to. Now we start from the bottom. Hey, what's up, guys? This is Ryan Perez. Ryan yeah, Beats. See, it's, for some reason, it's giving us double sometimes. Maybe we missed one? Nope. Okay, so that's it. Let me refresh this and make sure we didn't have any more calls in. Oh, one more. Here we go. Hey, Cam, Marshall, Prince Sam. This is uh, J-Rock from Ink Kings, Inc. First-time caller, long-time vlogger. <laughs> uh, my question is in regards, I've been uh, listening to a lot of these pricing questions and seeing a lot of newbies, you know, competing with the shops down the uh, street. And I'm just wondering what your thoughts are and, and the complications and challenges it would be to try to to get us to move as an industry mm. uh, to not undersell, especially in the beginning level. Yeah. Great Never question, mind. bro. Yeah. <laughs> Very I love good. that. So it's a giant race to the bottom. Let's have you start it, all, yeah. All the time. And you see this all the time uh, on Facebook where, where what would you be at this? I would be 8 bucks. Well, I'm at 7 bucks. I'm at 6 bucks. I'm at 10 bucks. Is it the most common and post it, you yeah, see? And it's just it's a constant thing. It's, it's crazy. So one of the things, and this is why I talk about this, which is it doesn't matter what all these people price their stuff at. What matters is that is what your customer is willing to pay you for it. Okay, so uh, if there's a race to the bottom and you feel like you're being uh, chopped off at the knees because there's competition, that means that you haven't demonstrated your value enough to that customer for them to pay you what you want. Yeah, okay? and I can, and I guys, I can speak on that to such a level because I didn't. Now I do, and. So I'm doing less work, making more money because I'm demonstrating value, and it's going to continue to go that way. Just you, we, everybody has to change their mindset on this to to the nth degree. And then also, I think another thing that will change this industry and and the way everyone keeps undercutting is having conversations just like this when groups are coming together, when there's people like Marshall and myself just saying, "Stop undercutting each other and price based on what you need it to be or to be profitable." I think slowly it's starting to change. I'm noticing it. Like I'm noticing even the price of it starting to go up, go up and well, stuff. So let me I tell feel you. like it's changing. 
Custom ink is the best thing that's ever happened to this industry. It is. Okay, and the reason for that is because, oh, they're charging $20 for yep. the shirt? Okay, you're at 8 It raised the value. Okay, <laughs> so it's like one of these things where uh, look at all the money that you're leaving on the table. Right. Okay, so I hear from shops all the time that they're so happy that Custom Ink does that because they're able to raise their prices. Yeah. And so if you're trying to say... If you're trying to have any type of comparison discussion, look at what other people are doing and how much under you are. And, and maybe that's the, that's the discussion maybe that we should be having is how come you're only charging that when you should be charging this? And you look at and you look at Custom Inc. and, t- and uh statistically speaking they do own they own the market share. They have the biggest market share of a print of any print shop. So and they're also the most expensive. So what does that tell you? We're all shooting well, ourselves in the it's foot because dude. they're selling their value they sell it and, better and, than anyone and so it's like this is what i'm talking about mm-hmm. you have to s- demonstrate your value to people mm-hmm. and then they'll pay you for it they will okay because uh um and and it, and it also goes back to what you were saying earlier about selling the experience because hate it or love it love a design lab or hate it custom ink does sell an experience from the beginning of yep. it to the end mm-hmm you 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 feel something, and then they they have off really cool things where they feature some of their print clients on their homepage. Mm-hmm. They do a lot of stuff that creates an experience that adds to value, and it makes people willing to pay thirty bucks for a shirt at thirty six yeah. pieces. It's right. crazy stuff. Yeah, so it's just one of these things where you should really just kind of reexamine how you're doing things and just make sure you're in alignment. And yeah. um, I, I'm not advocating. People go out of business by changing their price list, and it's three times what they have. What I'm saying is that every customer you've ever had. (laughs) What I'm saying is that you have to understand your customer and understand their pain point, and write your business plan so it's in alignment with what people are willing to do. And here's here's a case in point: is uh, I like steak, right? Steak is expensive. And I know that it's more expensive than going out for a hamburger. Right. Okay. But guess what? I'll go out and get steak. It's a good analogy. And I actually, and yeah. I know that. Guess what? It, it's good. It's from a cow. Right. Okay. It's the same thing, mm-hmm. but it's more expensive. And and it is a lot of the times how it's presented, where the house is that you're going, what the steakhouse looks like, what right. what environment and atmosphere and, they create around and, that steak. And, and now you're willing to pay a hundred bucks for that right. slab of meat instead of. 50 at one place or right. even 20 at Applebee's. Right, yeah. It's or, all in the experience. Think about like going to Applebee's or Red Robin or yeah. any of these uh, other places that sell hamburgers, mm-hmm. right? They're not competing with the $99, uh, $0.99 cent value meal. They're getting $12, $15 for a hamburger. That's a good point. It's a bun. It's a tomato. Mm-hmm. It's lettuce. It's a beef. Mm-hmm. You know, they get served it with fries, okay? Mm-hmm. So why do we do that? We do that because guess what? We're not eating at McDonald's. Yeah, and I yeah, think so yeah, and you know, I think that um uh there is something to to be said for the experience more than just what you're selling as a as a product. Like I think that I am a great example of this as a print shop. Maybe it's I don't do everything right, but uh, there's the there's the YouTube channel. There, you start create if you think outside of the box of just the print world and in the marketing and the social and how you can create a story around your shop that's beyond just printing t-shirts right you're really not selling a t-shirt you're selling an experience so as a printer or as a shop we should really be all of us focusing on how we sell our experience what our experience is and uh that's i think that wraps it up but as far as the industry because i heard that question in there and how how we can get us as a whole to raise the prices i think he said it custom ink was the first step in that 
And now we all need to raise our value to where we're up where they're at, selling at the same kind of prices. Yeah. That was right. good, man. Good question. Really good, actually. E no more callers. So let's go into the chat real quick and just get some of that going on, dude. Maybe if I could find it. How you holding up, Marshall? You need a drink or anything? No, I'm good. Okay. I know it can be strange talking for long periods of time. The I cotton talk mouth, all day. You're good what are you at it. About? You got it, bud. <laughs> all right, so let's start here, man. I got some shit here, and we're gonna run down the list. Ooh. Tips on not not shit, not like doo doo. Got some shit. We got some questions. This is from Hotbox Print Studios. Okay, so tips on maintaining quality screens for each job. I think we kind of covered that a little bit, but you want to well, reiterate quickly? Well, here's something you should know is that screens will deteriorate and lose their tension over time. So if you're keeping screens for that client and you're saving them and six months go by, mm -hmm. your tension has dropped. Which and So it could also be... Maybe they were all the same tension at one point, mm -hmm. but what's going to happen is over that time, now it's not as much on one or whatever. The, even though it registered last time, maybe it's not going to register now. Mm -hmm. So if you're keeping screens, just be careful about that, especially if you're in a shop that has no air conditioning and it's hot as hell in the shop like it is here in Arizona. You may have some issues with safe screens um, do you are you an advocate for for saving job screens? What, what is I your opinion them, on uh, that? Keep well, it depends. It, uh, uh, I I will keep screens if I'm going to print it the next week or two. Uh huh. Okay. Hang on to them and then reclaim it. Yeah. See, we're I'm, and, I and again, this just comes down to opinion. I don't know, but we reclaim everything. I feel like it's with us because we have dip tanks and and pre-softening tanks it's i feel like it's faster but everyone has an opinion well, on it's it. also how many screens do you have and right. a lot of people you know and so and also space a rule, requirements probably a rule of thumb for shops if you is index. keeping um three or four times the amount of screens that you use a day right it's how many screens you need for your shop because you know you've got the ones you're using for the print mm. right you got the ones that you just printed and haven't reclaimed yet yeah and then you got need screens that you need to go burn for the ones you're doing tomorrow it's true so that's about three times smart four is a good, good way to look at four it. is a good safety right? i like that yeah so just think about how many screens you might need and then also the mesh counts right so use a 110 or 156 or whatever for underbase and mm. you do a lot of that you might need a lot more of those than you need for maybe a 60 when you do metallics or right. uh 305s your specialty you're screens or right. whatever yeah so it's a good answer keep, i like that keep uh keep kind of track of that right i love that oh this ryan was leaving a message and someone called him that's why he had a double the same thing. Thanks for the long explanation on my halftones question. Uh, so Jason just wants to thank you personally for really diving into the halftones question. Oh, no problem. You're That's welcome, fun. Jason. Um, Marvin Brooks, how would you suggest getting more jobs through? That, that's a common question. How do you get more work? How do you get more work? How do you get more work? It's a lead gen thing, right? Right? Yeah. So uh, first off, are you? what are you doing? So I don't know what he does. Right. Right? So yeah. is, is – uh, Let's is, lay out a platform. A mar let's is he a, a website guy? Is he a local guy? Does he have salespeople? I mean, there's all types of ways you do this. So I mean, let's say I think the majority of the people in here are a, a one to four person operation, small. Right. right. Uh, let's assume they don't have a marketing person. It's going to be the man, the owner is going to be doing this. Let's right. kind of talk about. Let's lay out a platform. Well, what I would advise first is what. 
You know what the answer is. I mean, I'm, for me, is, it's, the, it's the site, dude. It's, it's, well, it's right the business plan. Well, the goddamn it, business it, plan. It, <laughs> I, I built the site before right, that goddamn right, business plan that so we're talking write, about. So write your business plan so you know your direction and you know your market. And oh. you know, here's – if you want real quick, more work. Real quick, the, the SB, he, it's the SBA.gov. It, the business, you know that business plan yeah, template. The, yeah, I'm gonna link it in the description. I used it, and I shit. It's amazing. It, it's it's yeah. like a. St- it makes writing a business plan a lot easier than it used right. to be. Is it SBA. Yeah. It's SBA.gov, or they can buy the book, and I've written a template for the industry or that asks you that asks you questions about who your suppliers are. And blah, 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 blah. Okay, so it's written right for this industry. The SBA.gov is awesome. Yeah, it is. Okay, and uh, but it's generic for any business out there. So, his, so, so if you really want to get industry specific, yours is the way. You got one in there? You have yeah, a- it's called a Shop Basic Info Pack. It's got uh, two different types of business plans. It's got your the big boy that's going to have your P&L and everything. Yeah. And then it's got what I call the one-page lean startup one. And um, so it's got just exercises and questions that you answer uh-huh. and then um then you've got your business plan written and then it's also got a um uh a section on branding it's got a an employee handbook template so shops that don't have an employee handbook you just put your information in and delete the stuff that you don't use and now yeah. you've got an employee handbook and then it's got my uh production log dashboard which allows you to get all your daily numbers for what your production's doing. You get the totals, you put them into the spreadsheet that I've built for you, mm-hmm. and then it churns out all of your percentages and numbers and impressions per hour and everything Dang. automatically. It's all got the formulas already built. That's pretty cool. But the but the business plan is written for this industry. Uh, Which so would it asks you specific questions, right? And mm-hmm. and I know when I was doing research, like market research and shit for numbers, and it, that can be difficult. Does it help you with that a little bit? Yeah, kind of. It walk. It asks you awesome. questions, and the last question that it wants you to write is what is your unfair advantage? Which is why I answered that for uh, Love that. William the way I did. It's because this that's what you want to get to. You want to get to you have no competition because you're so awesome. Right. So you want to write your business plan so that's what that's what you get to. So that's step number one. You write your plan so that you can ultimately get to um, what, what did you call it? Your, your unfair advantage. Your unfair advantage. Okay, so now you've defined your unfair advantage. Right. Unfair, now it's a goddamn website. I'm going to double well, down uh, on unf- that. Unfair <laughs> advantage is something that other people don't have. Right. That could be a really awesome artist. That could be uh, how you're delivering. That could be the fact that uh, you've got a reconditioned ice cream truck, and that's what you deliver in. Everybody knows you around town. Yeah. That could be um, you. You del- you've got uh, uh, your turn times or three business days. Yeah. yeah okay. And I know plenty things. of shops that do that now. God. It, and uh, so uh, it's three business days. So you're beating the competition. Mm-hmm. So by the way, if you're still stuck in the seven to ten day w- window, you're you're going to be losing business. Yeah. Because now true. it's usually five to seven, and a lot of shops are going to three and five now. Interesting. So um, that's problematic. That's a tough one. That's a tough one for smaller shops to tackle. Maybe well, we need to come together and find but, a way to do it. But guess what? Because he's right. Sandmar's just down the street from you. Yeah. Right? We so get next day. You can get next day. So it's not about getting the shirts. It's about getting all the other logistic processes handled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, it, if, it, if it's becoming the industry standard, then you have to address it. Well, it's, it's what yeah. Am- Merch by Amazon is doing. They're doing and uh, they're shipping in a day. So 
when people can go online and do that, how or why should I use you, the local guy? Interesting. So you have to compete against that. That's why you need the business plan to write what you're doing so you can compete against Amazon and yeah. Custom Make and that kind of and stuff. And the plans because do help you. They're disrupting this right. industry. And the plans help you address those problems that are coming up too. Well, yeah. yeah they you, help you. Because if you go into this blind, you're like, I didn't, I didn't know – like right now, I didn't know that they were doing that in like the three day shit, right, or whatever. So you address those kind of things through those plans. So it's another very helpful you have to, reason to write the plan up. I think. Yeah, you have to use your noggin. Yeah, but they're tough writing those, getting the plans together. It's not fun. It is not fun. But <laughs> the, the way I put it in the book, okay, especially for creatives. The way I put it in the book is, uh, you're imagine an iceberg. Yeah. Okay. Imagine this huge iceberg, the one that sunk the Titanic. Mm. Okay. What sticks out of the water, that ice, that's your business plan that's on a piece of paper, mm. okay? But what supports the business plan and makes it actually work and float and function, okay, is all of the research that you do, mm. okay? That's the reason why you write the business plan yeah. is because you need to know all this stuff. And if you don't know this stuff, you can't write a business plan, which means you don't know your market, you don't know your customer, you don't know the logistics, you right. don't know what your competition's doing, you don't know all this stuff. Mm. So what happens is you're basing your entire shop's future on just luck of yeah. somebody coming in your shop and wanting something. Winging it, yeah, yeah. Okay, which is you're doomed to failure. Now, yeah. there's tons of shops that operate great on luck, mm -hmm. but sooner or, or later that luck is going to run out. Yeah, I, I, I think I agree. I'm starting to agree more. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's a good starting point. And then from there, you, you've got your business plan. You've got all that lined out. Um, what's the next stakes to start getting more clients? Uh, marketing. Marketing. So once you know your customer, mm -hmm. you can start marketing to them. If you don't know who your customer is, how are you going to develop a marketing plan? Right. Okay, so what's happening is uh, you're just throwing stuff out there and, and hoping somebody reads it or watches it or gets it or whatever. But when you have a, a business plan, you can write a marketing plan, and it can be tailored to the business that you want. Mm. Not that idiot that walks in who only wants three shirts, and mm. it's six colors, and it's you, they want to see 16 different shirts, and they want to touch and feel each one, and, mm. uh, and you just wasted three hours of your day for $6. And a lot okay? of the people that are just starting, that's the so, client they're dealing so with. So what happens is when okay. you write your business plan, that that guy, okay, sorry, we have a 36-piece minimum. Mm. He's going to go to somewhere else, and you're not even going to worry about him. Right. Okay, because you're going to be focused on what you want to do best. Right. Okay, and so when you write your marketing plan, you'll know who these people are and where are they and how to find them and how to network with them and how to close those deals. And when you do your lead generation stuff, it's all about identifying these people first and then creating uh, the support material to handle that. Hmm. So that could be with a MailChimp campaign. That could be with some face-to-face -face networking. Maybe you got to go to a trade show. Hmm. That could be with just door-to-door -door stuff. That could be with building a website. There's, but it's it's got to be built on how your customers respond to stuff, right. not how you want to sell. So that's right. part of your business plan is understanding how these people operate. For instance... A school system. Right. Let's say you want to market to high schools, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that school purchaser person, that coach or the person in the school system 
doesn't care what you post on Facebook. Right. They're not looking at that. Yeah. Okay. The only way you're going to get that business is to go see them in their office. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's like one of these things. Why waste the time building a Facebook thing? Right. Right. Unless Unless your customer is there. Unless you're looking at other things. Mm Now, having a Facebook thing for marketing to the students of the high school makes tons of sense. Right. Okay. But trying to get the authority to do that means you got to go out and have that personal meeting. So, so the reason why a business and marketing plan matters is because until you have identified this stuff, mm-hmm. you can't make good decisions about what you're doing. You're just throwing darts at the wall, hoping things are going to yeah, work out. Yeah, it's like and to kind of re-explain that. It's almost like you want to you start at the end and then work backwards. You find you really want to know where your who your customer is, and then you're almost stepping backwards, right? Yes. You don't you don't just start going for it and hope that they end up in front of where you're aiming. Yes. You, you, you kind of exactly true. And, and I think that that makes a lot of sense. And I know I because I pe- I speak from personal experience that most of us did not start our businesses that way. We kind of went out for it and we just hope something stuck yeah well so this is great advice yeah. to hear you know well typically there's two types of people in this industry there's the creative person who wants to monetize their art mm-hmm. right and then there's the business person that goes holy crap i'm paying 25 dollars for my kids shirts for school mm-hmm. i can do that right and then that's how they get into it mm-hmm. so i mean i know that's doesn't speak for everybody but that seems like a lot it's pretty generally and, and, pretty and, pretty and, accurate and so and what people do is they buy the equipment and start it, and, da, 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 and then they start making all these mistakes. Yeah. And then it's a giant, oh, my God, how do I do? What did I do? I just spent all this money. I don't know what to, what I'm doing. Yeah. And it's it's a never-ending journey of learning your craft. It is. And it, uh, is. And it, never, it, it never, ever ends. And, and, it never ends. And just to speak on that, though, it's okay if you start that way. Like, if you start just – like with any business, sometimes it's just about starting, and then you kind of pick up the pieces after. So it's okay if you if if it, if that's you, that was me. If that's the way you're starting, at least you're here now, listening and trying to reassess right. your situation. So it's all good. Mm-hmm. However you start is okay. But I love that. And then that's it. You you've got your plan. You know who you're going to go after. Now you create a marketing plan to go after that that. That person, right? It's it's it really it's it's funny when you put it like that. It's like really fucking simple. Well, and then well, and then you, you got to, but you also want to appeal to rock bands, okay? Yeah. Let's say, well, guess what? They buy differently, right? They're on the road yeah. doing their thing, trying to sell their ideas, uh, uh, CDs. You know, if they still sell those, uh, it, or it's not just downloads. And then they got a, uh, but they're using their shirt merch yeah. to. F- put gas in the van Mm -hmm. because they're playing at the bar in the next town over. And that's how they're fueling their trip. And they try to make it big, right? Mm -hmm. Marketing to that person is completely different than marketing to that school. Yeah. So you can't have a shotgun approach and just hope it's all going to work. Right. You You got to understand what these people's problems are. And then when you solve that problem. So when that crazy band calls and goes, Hey, we're out of mediums. We need some shirts. We're going to be in Cleveland on Tuesday. You've got that figured out. Right, and I, okay. I was just going to say that. That's kind of the trick, and that's how you kind of make yourself special to a particular market is by solving their problem. Yeah. Like if, you have, if you've built the infrastructure that makes it really easy for you to get their art, print their shit, and get it to them almost on the fly, right. that you, you, you've got them. So that's it, really good. And so if that. you could handle that for that band mm-hmm. where those shirts are there in Cleveland yeah. on Tuesday when they pull up to the hotel, okay, are they going to nickel and dime you for 50 cents? Right. 
because somebody else probably can't do that. It's true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like one of these things. That's the reason why it's really important to understand what your customers are doing Love and it. know what their pain points are. And there's so many different types of clients. It's hard. It's so general. You can't like you can't make a blanket statement. You know, because right. it's it's like it, you. That's why you have to do the research. And and by research, I don't mean looking on the internet. I mean going to talk to the customer and asking them questions. Okay, that's yeah. part of the research that people don't do is because yeah, we've gotten they're lazy scared, in they're this scared world. to talk to the customer. Yeah. So yeah. I recommend talking to people and going, hey, what are your problems? What do you need? What's your number one thing you'd like to see? Yeah, and, and I'll say that about you specifically, because, uh, and I think that you're, you're probably from that old school world, but it is still viable today where you, you're you more of a, a per you called, like you reach out, you try yeah. to figure things out in person instead of like all email, digital, Facebook oh, messages. I, I love looking you're, up stuff. And he comes by, like but, when he did the article, he was here, so he comes by, and I think that there's that's kind of a lost art that if you are a shop and you're a young person coming up, if you brought that back, I think that that might be an unfair advantage that you offer, just being more personal. Well, you can't be scared of no. You can't, dude. And that's just sales, sales 101. But, yeah, dude, that was good. I think we answered it. I felt yeah. good about that. <laughs> I liked <laughs> so, it. That was good. Well, that's the answer we gave. Well, that's it, man. Thanks for the long explanation. Oops. There's always a long explanation with me. I can't shut up. That's a, Dude, <laughs> when it comes to live shows, bro, it's the best way to be, man. So yeah, oh, and 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 he just he just chimed in. Thanks for the advice on focusing on his tribal stuff. He's going to readjust his prices and then just kind of focus on that niche. So that's awesome. Right. That's William. Yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That was so him. William, write your business plan. Yeah. Write that. Before damn you adjust your prices, plan. write your business plan so you, you understand why you're doing it. Don't just raise it fifteen percent. Yeah, and then Inking just chimed in. Yeah, his pricing is good. He'd like to see the entire industry move towards value instead of. So that's cool. Yeah, well, good luck with that. And Silk Visions will be calling you soon. Let's just, I want to take this opportunity real quick before we dive into some more questions because we have been running a while. Um, you got some stuff going on, man. And just to thank you for coming in and spending time with us, mm -hmm. I wanted to give you the opportunity to just, you got right. some cool shit going on. I do. So let's plug it right quick. Okay, so. And I'll put the, all the links in the description. Yeah. The first thing I want to do is the coin flip that we talked about. Okay, let's do that. Okay, so here's what's going on. Let me set it up. Go for it. I've got three ebooks on my website, which is atkinsontshirt.com. Just go to the shop tab, okay, and you'll see the ebooks. Yeah. Okay, there's a free one that you can download, which is top 10 workflow tips, which is just basically how to get more stuff out of your shop every day. And then I've got two other ebooks. There's the Shop Basic Info Pack, which is all those templates I just talked about. That's $49. And then I got an ebook, which is called Price for Profit, which is learning how to use your shop's efficiency and your costs to develop.